0: Good morning everyone. Um, My name is Maureen Bromage. I usually attend the 8.30 service and also I'm part of the kids church. Uh, Our reading today is going to be from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 starting at um, verse 24 and we're going through to the beginning of chapter 11. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 9 starting at verse 24. We're going to be reading about our need for self-discipline, and we're going to have some warnings from Israel's history. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred And do not grumble as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ because because there is one loaf we who are many are one body for we all share the one loaf consider the people of Israel do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything no But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of the demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, Eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you this has been offered in sacrifice then do not eat it both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other person's conscience not yours for why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience. If I take part in the meal with thankfulness Why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example. As I follow the example of Christ.
1: Thank you, Maureen. And hey, everyone. It is uh, nice to be with you in one way or shape or form. Another chilly mountains morning. I hope that wherever you are, you are roasty, toasty, warm. We're going to get into the Bible in a second. Uh, You might like to go and find an actual Bible to look at, to follow along with. That would probably be helpful. While you're doing that, uh, I just want to let you know that uh, we are missing everyone as a church, and we are wanting to love everyone in our church family. This week coming, we're hoping to send out some little care packs to people uh, to help you get through these next few weeks of lockdown, and if you're someone... ...who uh, hasn't been to church here in person, but you're watching along, you're part of the Central Villages family... ...we would love for you to be included in this as well, we'd love to know your address... ...so we can pop something in the mail for you, and so if you think that we may not have your address... ...but you want something uh, from us, please let us know, we would love to be including you in the family in that way. All right. I hope you're keen today for another little dose of uh, 1 Corinthians, there is loads for us to learn this week. Uh, This is week 3 of uh, us spending 3 weeks thinking about the topic of Christian freedom... And how should we use the freedom that God has given us to love others, not just love ourselves? Uh, We're doing this across three weeks because Paul writes three chapters on this topic. The guy really goes to town. It's a big deal for him, and it's a big deal because he can see how for any church, a, a church back in those ancient times, or a church like Central Villages today, for any church, this is the topic that could totally derail our mission if we're not careful. You know, our mission to reach the lost and see people built up in Christ so they stand firm in Him, so they have the hope of heaven till the end. That is our mission. And we could easily go off the rails if we don't think carefully, if we don't think properly about how do we use our rights? How do we use our freedoms? How do we be flexible for the sake of helping people find faith? I want you to picture with me for a minute a friend, a friend of yours who is on the path to meeting Jesus. You know, maybe they're a long way down the path. You know, Jesus is way off on the horizon. Maybe they're quite close to the guy. I don't know. But we've all got friends who are on that path in some way, shape, or form. Think about that friend for a minute. Or, or picture another friend, a friend who is already trusting the Lord Jesus. You know, maybe they've been a Christian for a long time, but they haven't grown heaps. Maybe, they, maybe they're someone who only really just came to the faith, but they're someone who's kind of a little bit young in, in their Christian faith. Picture those kind of people, for they are the people Paul is urging us to be concerned about. They are the kind of people Paul is urging us to have on our minds as we make decisions about how do we spend our money, what events do we go to, what foods do I eat, how do I dress, how do I talk, how do I act? When we're thinking about all of those things, we need to always be asking, is what I'm doing helping those friends to trust and treasure Jesus? Or am I just kind of using my freedom to make me happy, but let them down? Make make things a bit easier for me, but potentially stuff them up? So far, Paul's message has been pretty darn clear. He has been saying, don't trip people up. Don't trip people up. And we've seen it put really clearly in a few spots. He put it like this in chapter 8. He said, be careful that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Yes, it's true. We Christians have all sorts of rights, all sorts of freedoms. When it comes to food, we can eat whatever we want. But but should we eat whatever we want if it becomes a barrier to someone trusting the Lord Jesus? Paul keeps going in chapter 9. In chapter 9, he says, we put up with anything, anything, rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. At this point, Paul's reflecting on himself and he's saying that, that he happily sacrificed some very good things because he could tell that making that sacrifice would help people to come and find salvation. So for him, his, his comfort, his convenience, his cash, whatever it was, he says, be flexible with it. Be flexible with it for the sake of your friends meeting the Lord Jesus. You're getting the message? Don't trip people up accidentally. And look, Paul Paul's obviously a guy with a bit of a one-track mind, because here we are in chapter 10, three chapters later, and he's still hammering home on the same topic. He says at the end of our bit today in in verse 23, he says, I have the right to do anything, So, so you say. But not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, so they say. But not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good. Stop seeking your own good. Stop thinking only about yourself. But instead, make sure that your life is lived for the good of others. Could it be much clearer? He has another go. Verse 31, he says, "'Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, "'do it all for the glory of God. "'Do not cause anyone to stumble, "'whether Jews or Greeks or the Church of God, "'even as I try to please everyone in every way. "'For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, "'not me, but many, "'so that they may be saved.'" Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I find this one particularly punchy. Because living like this, living for the good of others, sacrificing your own rights, sacrificing your own good, this isn't just a Paul thing. As Paul says, this is a Jesus thing. This is exactly how Jesus lived. You want to follow Jesus? Then make sure you're living your life with others front and centre, with their needs front and centre. Be thinking about them. It's a bit like bushwalking. I reckon loads of us have probably been doing some more bushwalking in the last few weeks than we normally would have been. You know, the weather's been good, all the city tourists have been banned, a legit excuse to get out and enjoy uh, the countryside. Conditions are perfect. And there's lots of different walks you can go on, different, different terrain, different kind of skills needed. And the national parks, when you turn up to go on a bushwalk, they've got like a little rating system, don't they? There's grade one, I'm sorry the picture didn't load there, but grade one is the kind of walking track that, you know, you could do with your granny in a wheelchair if you wanted to. It's, it's dead flat, it's perfectly paved, it's probably a little bit boring, but, but it's a real easy walk. And they do the grading right up through to grade five, and grade five is, you may as well bring your climbing gear, right? This is going to be a rough, tumble, scramble. And what Paul is saying is, please make sure that the paths that your friends are on when it comes to them meeting Jesus are more like the grade one and less like the grade five. Let's not make it harder for our friends than it needs to be. This is not just an issue for ancient Christians. For for you and I today, as Christian people, we could very easily, very easily trip people up in how we use our freedom, in how we drink, in how we dress. In how we talk, in how we act. All of these are areas where Jesus has given us legit, genuine freedom. It's not black and white, it's not sinful or not. We aren't being bad people if we choose to do things one way or the other, but our friends who are watching us, our friends who are part of our lives and observing how we live, they don't have that same kind of knowledge about the freedom that we've been given as Christians. As far as they can tell, us just kind of enjoying our Christian freedom, it sometimes looks as though we're dabbling in sin. It sometimes looks as though we're living as though Jesus doesn't matter all that much. They don't have the same knowledge as us. We know that Jesus has set us free from all sorts of weird, restrictive, unnecessary religious rules, but they don't see that. And so it's important that we take the initiative to be on the front foot and live thoughtfully... Live knowing that people are watching and knowing that people are forming conclusions about Jesus from our behaviour. And so it makes perfect sense that Paul is really clear. Don't trip people up. Be willing to give up your freedoms in order to help kind of clear the path to give them a straight run at Jesus. But, But there's another side to this message as well. Because at the same time as we're doing all of that, at the same time as we're not tripping people up, we also need to make sure that we're not letting people down. We need to make sure that we're not letting people down by accidentally taking them to a false saviour. Maybe you've been hearing all this talk about using our freedoms over the last couple of weeks. You've been thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where do we draw the line in all of this? Where do we draw the line? Because surely there is a line, isn't there? Like, yes, yes, sure. Sacrifice your freedoms, sacrifice your rights in order to help people get to know Jesus. That makes sense. We get that. But there's got to be a limit in what we're willing to sacrifice, doesn't there? You know, a limit in how far we're willing to go in being flexible about stuff so we can help people to know Jesus, Because, I mean, there are some things that Jesus teaches, some things that Jesus says, some things that we believe as Christians that are are very important things that are unpopular. You know, about sin, about sexuality, about greed, about hell, about the, the uniqueness of Jesus. These are hard truths for people to hear. And the question is, do we consider those to be trip hazards to be kind of brushed out of the way? Because those are things that certainly put people offside, aren't they? We've all got friends and family who would point to those kind of things and say, see, see, that's a bit of a roadblock for me. That makes it harder for me to follow Jesus. I'm not sure I can sign on for this Christian stuff if I have to believe that. And so, should we be taking Paul's encouragement to give up our rights and, and be flexible? Should we be taking his words to mean that we should be kind of brushing some of these things aside? downplaying them, neglecting them, not really teaching them. Plenty of people have tried exactly that strategy. They've done it out of love. They've done it because they want people to get to know Jesus, but at the same time, it's been a mistake. It would be a mistake for us to think that way. We've got to make sure that we're not letting people down in an attempt to not trip them up. It's not just good enough to kind of clear a path to make an easy way for people to get to Jesus. We need to also make sure that when they get to the end of that path, they actually find Jesus. And don't just find some kind of fake, fictional, false, half-baked imitation of the guy. If we make too many concessions, if we make too many accommodations, if we bend a little bit too much then people are going to get to the end of this journey and the Jesus they're going to find is just a shell of the real guy. It is, in many ways, the danger of following an idol instead of following the real true God. The danger of idols is that idols are just a God being kind of remade on our terms. You know, and, 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 and an idol is God as we would invent Him if we were in charge. And an idol is just God custom made to suit my needs and my wants and my desires. A God who doesn't really challenge me, doesn't really call me out of that much. That's what an idol is. And we run the risk of turning Jesus into that kind of idol if we're not careful. Paul brings up ancient Israel in chapter 10 as a great example. At the start of the chapter, he talks about how Israel was going great guns for a bit. Here's how he says it. He says... Our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. This is the Exodus. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They ate spiritual food and drank spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That that rock was Christ. This is them leaving Egypt. They're being protected by God. They're being cared for by God. and, And it's all looking sweet as. Life was great for Israel at this point. But, plot twist, it doesn't stay that way. Things end up in a really bad place for Israel. You see it in verse 5. Nevertheless, despite this brilliant start, God was not pleased with them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, why is that? Why does God end up not being pleased with these people who was once loving and protecting and caring for? Why do their bodies end up scattered all over the desert? It's because many of them chose to take a bit of a turn And wander into idol worship. Verse 6, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. They became idolaters. And it it was not just about bowing down to a kind of statue thing. It was more about embracing behaviours, embracing ways of thinking that God says, do not belong. Verse 6, they they were setting their hearts on evil things. Verse 7, they were getting caught up in revelry, you know, wild, uncontrolled partying. Verse 8, they're dipping into sexual immorality. Sex is getting misused from what it was designed for. Verse 9, they're testing God. Verse 10, they're grumbling at God. The the Israelites thought that all these things, could be, could be safely brought into their lives. They thought that they could keep on worshipping God, but kind of dabble in some of this stuff on the side. But God says, no. No, that, that is not the way I made for this relationship to work. That's just plain and simple idolatry. Creating a version of God to worship that kind of moulds around your own sinful desires. And as Paul puts it in verse 14, we need to flee from idolatry run the other direction get away from it as fast as you can because it is dangerous it is radioactive it'll take you down it, it, it's not quite just the fact that these things are sinful that's outrageous because we will all do these kind of things at one time or the other the, the, the thing that's outrageous here in what happened to Israel is this thinking that these sins are somehow compatible with your trust in God that God is all good with it, that God doesn't really care about this. When you start embracing that kind of mindset, then they are running into very dangerous territory. That's what Israel thought they could get away with. Keep on trusting the one true God, but at the same time, add in these kind of extra little bits that kind of suit my needs, my desires, suit my longings a bit better. And God's answer is no, that is not how this works. And Paul says that this all happened, this is all written down as an example for us, as a warning for us. Because we Christians could very easily fall into exactly the same mistake. You know, the the temptation to turn away from the the true and living God, just, just a little smidge, and embrace some of these worldly ways of living, that temptation is strong. And it's particularly strong when we're trying to help our buddies say yes to Jesus. We think, if I only made this little shift, if I only didn't talk about this little thing, then they would love the guy. And so we feel it. We want to do this for them. And this is where we need to take a big, deep breath and go, it's not just that I need to not trip these people up. It's also that I need to not let them down. We would 100% be letting these people down. If we lure them away from Jesus and instead let them become kind of ensnared by a God of their own creation. This is the line. This is the line between being kind of flexible on our rights and our freedoms, but being firm on our convictions. We need to love people by showing them the true Jesus and calling out their dangerous idols, just like we also need to love people by being flexible on issues that don't actually matter. You would be misunderstanding Paul's entire argument across these three chapters if you thought he's saying Christians should be pushovers. Totally misunderstanding him if you thought that he's saying, do what you need to do, change what you need to change in order to keep Jesus popular. We want to be flexible for the sake of others, but there are limits And this is the line. This is the guardrail that we need to have established so we don't accidentally drive the bus off a cliff. We cannot let our desire to be flexible become permission to change things that are of eternal significance, to change truths that are of eternal significance. As Paul, Paul says in verse 21, he says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons at the same time. They're incompatible. If you are in cahoots with some kind of questionable, dodgy, shonky stuff, because you think that maybe this is going to help you reach people, you're on really thin ice. For us today, for, for you as a member of Central Religious, I want to encourage you, be willing to set aside your rights. Be willing to be flexible about heaps of stuff. Don't set up unnecessary barriers for people to come to know Jesus. Be flexible on so many things, but not about Jesus himself. Not about his teaching. That that cannot be up for negotiation. And, And yes, that includes the hard stuff. Yes, that includes the stuff that's not particularly popular right now. We should be flexible and willing to bend and change about what kind of parties we go to. But we should be firm on what is and is not sinful. We should be willing to be flexible on what we do or don't drink. But we've got to be firm and clear on the topic of judgment. We should be totally flexible about what kind of posts we share on Facebook But we should be absolutely locked in firm on the words of Jesus. We should be flexible on what kind of clothes we choose to wear. But we've got to be straight and narrow on the fact that Jesus is the only way to God. Some stuff is just a personal choice. and We should just be willing to be flexible on it. But some stuff absolutely matters. Christianity is not a a pick and mix. You might remember back in the era... Uh, before we understood how germs worked. I can't see this happening again post-COVID. But there used to be this thing where you could go to the cinema or even go to Target, right? And you grab like a little paper cup and there's this wall of lollies and you just go along, loading up on whatever you want. And the beautiful thing about pick and mix is you can avoid the stuff you don't like and just make sure you load up with all the things that you love. You know, this is a, this is a lolly bag custom made for me and, and my tastes and my likes and, and my dislikes. That works great for lollies, pity about the germs, but, but, but pick and mix Christianity. Just kind of picking and choosing the bits that you like that suit you. It leads to people thinking that they're following Jesus. But instead, they've embraced a kind of shallow, hollow version of the guy. It's really sad and it's really horrible, but that's exactly what could happen as much as we might want to for the sake of our friends, we've got to recognize that Jesus is a bit of a package deal. He's a kind of complete, balanced whole. You can't just pluck out one bit of His teaching and expect the whole thing to stay up and keep on working. Israel thought they could do that with God. Israel thought they could kind of play pick and choose when it came to what bits of God's teaching they liked, and which they didn't, what kind of God they wanted to worship. They thought they could do that. And they ended up in idolatry we will accidentally take people to a kind of Christian-ish idolatry if we start mucking around with what we are taught. As Paul talks about freedom, he wants us to really understand these two big principles. We've got to be careful to not trip people up. If you know that something that you're doing is not sinful, but your friend thinks that it is sinful right? If you, if you think something is not sinful, you, you know it's not sinful, you know God doesn't really care, but your friend thinks that it's sinful, then tread very carefully. This is going to be something that may well trip them up. Hold yourself back, control yourself, keep the bigger picture in mind, keep their salvation in mind. Don't trip people up. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that we're not letting people down. This is kind of the flip side. If your friend thinks that something is not sinful, that God doesn't care, that he doesn't have an opinion on this, but you as a Christian know better, you know that he does, then be real careful. They may think, this is a barrier. This is holding me back from trusting Jesus. But you know that bending and flopping around on this issue to accommodate would lead to a really bad place. Paul says some big things at the end of this chapter. He says, seek the good of others. And we want to say yes. And and seeking the good of others means making sure that they end up with Jesus and not some kind of imitation saviour. He says, do not cause anyone to stumble. And we want to say yes. But let's make sure that the path that they're not stumbling on actually leads to Jesus. Jesus. And not some kind of half-baked, hollowed out, wannabe Christian belief system. Paul says that he tries to please everyone in every way. And we want to say along with him, yes. But that's not by chasing popularity on the world's terms. But it's by helping them to find true, lasting, eternal pleasure by getting to know their Saviour. Think about your friends for a minute. Those friends you thought about at the start and let's pray for them. Lord God, we have friends who are on the path to knowing Jesus. We have friends who have come to Christ and and they're trusting Him but they're, they're young in the faith. Lord, we pray that You would help us to not trip them up. May we be making a clear, smooth path for them to get to know Jesus and keep on trusting Jesus. May we not put unintentional barriers in the way about politics and personal preferences and, and and our own likes and dislikes and and our own freedoms may they not be a barrier at the same time Lord we ask that you would help us to not let these people down may we be clear on the things that we need to be clear on may we hold fast to the things we need to hold fast to even if they're not immediately popular Lord, please give us the courage, give our friends the courage to trust Jesus, even though the watching world might think that we're crazy for doing it. We know that He is a precious treasure. Help us to trust Him on His terms. Amen.